This episode of Anti-Squirrels includes intense conversation about eating disorders while discussing the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. This may be sensitive for some listeners. Discretion is advised. Intent and impact matter. And so does being a prick. (laughs) They say in Beverly Hills that the rich just get richer. But Erica Jane just wants the D to get bigger and bigger and bigger. (laughs) Oh my God, it was like a little bit of a tale that we just went on. I truly was like, I don't know where this is going to go. And I am here for it. I'm here for it. Guys, I wrote down the episode number before we recorded so I would remember, and I absolutely wrote down episode 132, which I know is not correct. But anyway, it's Andy's <laughs> Girls. It's episode, I think, 332 or 9 million or whatever. All I know is I feel real good about the conversation that's about to take place. So excited to have back one of my favorite people, literally favorite content creators and just like phenomenal, soothing, incisive, um, empathetic, meaningful, creative. Just listen, I call him a king and that's all you need to know. News and entertainment journalist and pop culture expert, his majesty Richie Sky is back on the pod. DJ Richie Sky, how are we today? I'm just going to record that intro and then just play it every morning when I get up. Like that's the affirmation that I need in the mornings to yes. pull myself out of the bed and dive mm. back into the housewife trenches every day. You know what? And sometimes the housewife trenches are filled with so much shit that it's like we need to listen, you're in a robe right now. I haven't showered. Sometimes we just need to <laughs> cleanse ourselves with each other. The power of an affirmation to get us through the peaks and the valleys. I feel like that's that's maybe the key takeaway from today. It is. You know, and that's the funny thing, you know, since you kind of like revealed that bit of truth about yourself, I have had days in the past couple of weeks where there's been no shower because I have been so busy working all day. Literally. I mean, I love that for you. I have the opposite problem. I'm like looking for work and there's no work to be found. But I do have to say, is it three o'clock Eastern Standard Time PM when we are recording? Yes. Is that my new 845 AM? Absolutely. And I do I, I, I do have to just pat myself. I am a two shower a day kind of gal. New York is disgusting. It's spiritual sledge, sledge, sludge, sludge, even if you're no, you don't go outside. So it's hot as absolute balls right now. And I love a morning, which technically is right now. Ignore the actual literal time and a little PM, just like a little rinsey rinsey. I just love Yeah, it. it's, it's just I, I've been having these days where I've just been so busy that I feel like I collapse at night. And then the day because sometimes I feel like I don't leave my house and I'm just working and working and working. It's It's been insane. It's been insane. I mean, the news cycle to me has been crazy. And I just feel like I've been on these past couple of weeks, nonstop. 
nonstop. What has been for you the most surprising topic that you've covered? Like something where you're like, oh my God, this on top of everything else. Um, whether it was a surprise or maybe just even not necessarily a passion, but like, has there been something that's come up that's just kind of taken your breath away in the last couple of weeks? Um, I wouldn't say anything in particular that's sort of, I mean, it, there's been, as we'll talk about, I'm sure like Beverly Hills is like <laughs> the, the gift that won't stop giving, but you know what it's, mm. it, it is for me, it's, it's, it's a difficulty because we always, for me, I always, as a content creator, pray that there's a lot of shows on the air, right? But then when there's a lot of shows on the air, that means a lot of recaps for me. That means a lot of news surrounding the shows. And sometimes there are three up to four videos per day. So there's a lot of editing. There's a lot of also writing for me because I'm working on books as well. So to me, it's just like, it's just the onslaught of shows. There was a period of, I think, between January to about March, when the only show that I was really covering that was on was Salt Lake City. Wow. And then all of a sudden in May and then June, and it will around that time frame, more shows started to come on. So that so much so that there was almost, it was almost too much. And so I'm still kind of in that period where sometimes there's like a Beverly Hills and a Dubai on the same night. So that means I've got to make notes on two shows. So when I make my notes, I am literally like a secretary. I am writing things down. You know what I mean? Because I feel like that helps me make my, my reviews very thorough. And I, and I look for those little pieces of things that people say, and I want to write them down to remember them the next day, because that's going to be the basis for either my headline or for, what I'm going to talk about the most or what really bothered me about an, a particular episode. And so we've had so many nights where like Sunday nights, it's Atlanta married to medicine. The next night for me, it's basketball wives. I've got a free night on Tuesday, perhaps Wednesday, Beverly Hills, Dubai, you know what I mean? And so then it was Thursdays. Mm -hmm. It was uh, ultimate girls trip, which was wild. Then it was Saturday nights. It was because I have two shows for own that I do content for as well. So it's it's been back to back nonstop. So I am just like on overload with TV. And it makes me wonder a little bit for the fall. Like, what are y'all like? Did y'all give us all the content over the summer? Mm. Because what's what is there gonna be for the fall? You know, I know we'll have probably Potomac when Atlanta ends. So that'll probably still double my nights Salt up on Lake. Salt Lake will be back on. It's eventually OC will be back on, and I will actually be watching it this season. <laughs> so I mean it's it's been a lot of that since you're creating so much and so much of the content is obviously based around television are there any shows that you're able to watch purely for yourself or does the content creator always end up sneaking in like do you have any shows where you're like I'm not going to cover this this is you know scripted television or it's um unscripted reality tv but this is for me or is that is that even a possibility at this point? Rarely. And that's become a bit of a problem as well, because I, I feel like sometimes I no longer get the joy of just watching TV. I mean, there was obviously Stranger Things, which Stranger Things, which I was obsessed with, you know, Married at okay. First Sight, which I'm kind of just watching when they play them, the episodes on Netflix. But besides that, like I 
I will watch something I've seen thousands of times before when I'm wanting to relax because it's just comfort for me at that point. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's, it's, this is going to put me to sleep, but otherwise, no, everything I'm watching is because I am taking notes. That's always the kind of like strange area of content creation because so much of our passion about discussing these people in these shows is based on a love for them. But what happens when you potentially fall out of love or there are topics that you don't necessarily want to discuss, but you feel like you have a responsibility to have that conversation? I don't mean that specifically to like some of the sensitive stuff that we're currently unpacking with eating disorder conversation and all that, but just simply like if you don't like the direction the show is going in personally, how does that affect, you know, the narrative in which you're even discussing the content? Like, do you ever just kind of turn off on the inside if the show is turning you off? Yeah, I'll give you an example. Um, for me, I actually prefer two different types of shows. And I'll give you, I'll give you, and the third will be an example of what you just asked about. The first type of show is a married to medicine. To me, it's pure joy. I I get pure joy out of it and it comes on right after Atlanta. So I can relax a little bit when I'm making my notes on that because I don't necessarily critique it as as hard because I, I've owned my 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 brain capacity only has the space for one one hard critique per night, right? Mm. And on those nights where there are two shows, I am usually up until about 12 or one o'clock in the morning, because I'm also creating thumbnails, I'm gathering images, I am uploading and getting things ready for the next day, I'm plotting out which show, usually I'm going to do the first show that came on live as a re as a recap. And then the second show will have to be a pre record, but I've still got to prepare everything so that my day the next day isn't so isn't so crazy. Um, Beverly Hills is a show that I watch, I enjoy, but it is stressful to me because I'm just, but I don't mind it because it makes me feel something, right? Whether that's anger, whether that's, you know, passion, whether that's defending someone, I love when I can get it like those, those lives are always the best the next day because I am in it. You know what I mean? But then there's a show like Dubai, which I have to be very honest about, right? Mm -hmm. I love the ladies. I actually love Dubai. But I'm going to be very honest, and some people, are, this may offend some people, but Dubai is a very beautiful city. But there's a lot of construction in the background. So it's... It, it's, it, it, it's like being in a very beautiful place that is still, that you recognize that it's man-made. And that is what this show sometimes feels like. Mm. And maybe it's because it comes on after Beverly Hills. And if it had its own night, I would appreciate it in a different way. But it feels like the women have been put together. Um, I don't get a sense of long history there, even though I feel like there are some genuine friendships there. And the ladies are fabulous. I'm in love with some of them. I feel like some of them are just kind of clocking in. Um, 
And I think that, but again, it's also first season. So I give them that grace. You know what I mean? Because first season housewives don't always know how to make the show work or how to be their most natural selves, their most authentic selves. I still enjoy it. But like, even last night, I didn't watch. I didn't watch. I was tired. Beverly Hills tired me out. And I didn't even watch today. I took a bath. I took a bath. <laughs> I mean, much more enjoyable. I have to so say. So that, that's, that's, an, that's an example of a show that I'm not in love with the direction. I expected more, especially from Caroline Stanberry, because you watch Ladies of London and then you watch this and it's like, <sighs> where I need you to show up to work and I need you to leave your man at home. Yeah, she seems to be filming just an entirely different show. Yeah. I would be curious for your thoughts after you watch this episode. I um, thought that there was some like, interesting slash odd moments in the interactions between Brooks, Caroline Brooks and um, Sarah. Yeah. Uh, but my goodness, when you talk about the idea of like, it's like construction first, if that is maybe the problem <laughs> with this season, because it is like just putting these people together who like maybe know each other or don't, or they're inferring they became close in the last couple months, like after they were cast. And it is kind of the experience of watching people sort of get to know each other, but get to know each other poorly. Plus having the interference of other people telling them what this other person is like, or more importantly, what they said about themselves. And then watching the conflict happen and hoping to care about it because they care a lot. Yeah. And this is like the problem is like maybe some of them are caring too much, but it doesn't feel how do yeah how do you get an organic friend circle? That's the, that's the question. And I like yeah. a lot of them individually. I feel like, you know, Caroline Brooks is fabulous. Chanel Ayan, fabulous. You know, Lisa Milan, who has a history of being on reality TV, you know. Oh, wait. Yeah, that. she was on a show called College Hills on BET like years ago. She started literally, this was the beginning of the reality TV <gasps> era. So, no, I didn't had, know that. Yeah, she has the history with this genre that we love, you know. So, and then there's, of course, like Caroline Stanberry, you know, she has, she, right. Um, it, 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 where what is, she, what is she doing like I, I and I loved her from on ladies of London and maybe it's because mm -hmm. she was deeply embedded within a group of friends of that of people that she already knew family mm -hmm. and so that is probably what made it more interesting and so maybe we just need more history with these women and maybe again season two they'll have figured some things out a little bit better because for a while, I felt like Sarah was on a different show. I think. And also, then there's the fun fact of like, what group of friends, like Sarah maybe was on a different show, but Sarah also is on a different show when it just comes to even like the ways that she interacts with these women versus how everyone else interacts with each other, which is like kind of interesting. But the fascinating thing, depending on who makes it to season two, is like, 
Now they have history with each other, but it seems to be truly only specific to having history like on TV. Yes. So then how does that work when we're like, (laughs) now you have history and your friendship, but again, your friendship is like sort of getting to know each other on TV, but the synopsis usually of Housewives, which again is distorted and, and you know, there's usually a little bit of a wink is like these people know each other. Yeah. So like we go in with the trust exercise that there are stakes here because they care about how the other person feels versus caring about how they're going to be reflected on TV because of another person's actions. Yeah, it is. It is kind of. I don't know. Everybody's on a different show. Like Nina's on a different show. Nina's on a completely different even, show. I don't even know. I honestly don't even know if Nina's on that other show. Nina is technically on the show. And I need a I need a beta. We're not gonna pretend she's a strong one, but like we need a beta. But like this is just like I mean, like the joke is that like Chanel Ion shows up looking like a phenomenal, like superstar, like literally going to the Oscars when they go to get coffee and that's great, but it also is like maybe the spiritual kind of review of this season is like Chanel Ayan is in a ball gown and then everybody else is just like having lunch. Like maybe that's, I don't know. I couldn't tell you. I don't know why, but I'm looking forward to the reunion and I'm genuinely not even joking. I really am. You know what? And sometimes I will say like, I think in the early days of Housewives, there were some shows that I watched the reunion first and then went went back and watched the season. Oh, Ooh, I love that. Oh, I love that. I actually did that with Atlanta, believe it or not. <gasps> no. I started with the reunion and then that intrigued me. And then I went back and I watched. I started OC. Um, they didn't have a reunion, but I started OC a little bit later. No, I didn't. I, I watched that first season Same because space. I remembered Joe and uh, Slade. That's those were the two that stuck out in my mind, and I remember following Joe, thinking that she was going to be this next big thing, and I think the network did too. And well, you know, um, Slade became the next big thing. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> never forget Slade saying that he was quitting, okay, being a Real Housewife of Orange County, and the absolute confusion on Andy's face when he's like. You were never in the cast. I decided to know. I decided to take some time away from the show, sir. You were never. You were. You were quite literally never <laughs> on the show. You are not a Real Housewife of Orange County. You just have stooped a couple. Ridiculous. I mean, ridiculous. ridiculous. And I ridiculous. and I also happened to catch the ending of Jersey, so I came in on mm. the table flip. And again, then went back and watched and just kind of fell in love with with all of these shows. So when I when I think about Housewives too, I think about, you know, I know what it is now and I kind of sometimes hate that, but I feel like, you know, I, I wanted to, and, and what I mean by that is when it first starts, I wanted to feel as organic as possible because that makes us feel like we're really watching a friend group with history there. And when you don't have that history, that real history there, there's really nothing to go off of. That's just my thought. I'm nodding, <laughs> smiling with a little bit of a smirk. 
Ciao, AGs. I am speaking to you right now from Rome, Italy, where I am having a little bit of a European adventure. While I love the city and have had so many unique experiences to historical sites, the Vatican, we went to the Pantheon earlier today, there was a little bit of a hiccup in the apartment that we're staying in. And while I really enjoyed getting to know Fabrizio, the owner of the flat, there was a little bit of a language barrier because I unfortunately do not speak any Italian, even though I have watched The Sopranos all the way through at least three times. And this is where Rosetta Stone comes in. What would have helped me enormously in traveling abroad would have been brushing up, also known as entirely learning, the language of Italian. It could have broken down barriers and conversation with Fabrizio. And I also think speaking the language of the place that you're in is a sign of respect to the locals. It's also the ability to fully immerse yourself in the experience. And me not knowing any Italian, apologies to my grandpa Reno, who did make pizza from scratch, it would have been an incredible and even more incredible memorable experience. Rosetta Stone is the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered, including Spanish, French, Italian, that's right, German, Chinese, and even more. Rosetta Stone immerses you in so many ways. There are no English translations, so you can really learn, listen, and think in that language you want to learn. It's designed for long-term retention, which is especially helpful for me because while this is my first trip to Italy, I really truly hope it won't be my last. The lifetime membership that Rosetta Stone offers has all 25 languages for any and all trips and language needs in life. That's lifetime access to all 25 language courses that Rosetta Stone offers for 50% off. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, AGs can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today, today. Ciao. Hey, AGs. Are you ready to add a touch of luxury to your home, just like the Real Housewives? BCC Villa Rosa. Introducing Home Threads, where style meets comfort for the ultimate glam experience. Picture this. Chic furniture, one could even say chic c'est la vie, that mirrors the elegance of your favorite housewives' mansions. With exclusive designer collections and a curated selection, HomeThreads.com has everything you need to make your space as fabulous as the housewives themselves and always at the best value. Unlike Joe Gorka's initial attempts at windows, perhaps. Now, I have to tell you, I know that Padma is no longer on Top Chef, and may her memory be a blessing, but nothing has made me feel better prepared to host future seasons and potentially even iterations of Top Chef Upper East Side Edition than the Henkel's clad 10-piece stainless steel cookware set in silver that I got along with a two-piece stainless steel ceramic nonstick fry set from Zwilling thanks to Home Threads. It makes me feel like I am finally ready to be a top chef one egg over easy at a time. They're gorgeous. They look great in the apartment. For someone like me who lives in New York City which with a very small space, what I have in my kitchen 
is important because guests who come to visit me see it. And I'm so, so thankful to have discovered home threads because now I feel fully prepared to make eggs a la Francais. Head over to homethreads.com today and live your best real housewives life. Go to homethreads.com slash Andy Scrolls and get a code for 15% off your first order. Again, that's homethreads.com slash Andy Scrolls for a 15% off code off your first order. Home Threads, love where you live. I feel like that is an interesting transition Mm -hmm. to Beverly Hills. Let's do it. Which, believe it or not, I have a couple of thoughts on. (gasps) But I want to focus a bit on what you just said, which is the idea that these women, the expectation that often the audience has is that these women have history with each other. And sometimes that's not the case. It's why there's sometimes a little bit of a LOL when someone is introduced to the friend circle by somebody that they have met maybe perhaps a week before. Once. <laughs> or, or once. Or, you know, whatever the case Porsche may be. Fallon. <clears throat> a little bit of that. Well, now they have some significant history. So that, that seemed to work out for... Everyone involved. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, maybe only Simon. I don't know how well that worked out for Borgia in the long run or Fallon, but I wish them both the best. Um, you know, with Beverly Hills, what's kind of fascinating, and I mean this in the worst possible way, Uh-oh. is that these women are making the presumption of a relationship here in a conversation that they are having about Crystal. There seems to be the air of because we know her or maybe worse, because of my own experiences, not specific to this person that I am now assigning to this person, we can have these very serious conversations without their presence or active participation, which is a wild and dangerous take. That I explored in a Daily Beast interview with Crystal after the last episode aired, not this one from this week, but after last week, I interviewed her about congratulations, by the way. Thank you. About her. I mean, it's just because I'm so angry. I'm so angry. But it was, it was, it was, that's a, that's a huge moment though. Like, you know, that, like, just, not only you had a, there's one thing to I think have a, in a major publication like that, but mm-hmm. it's on a topic that's important. <laughs> like that mm-hmm. to me was the, wow. Sorry, I had to just give you praise on that for a no, second. No, I, I appreciate that. It's hard for me to take it in because I honestly am extremely angry right now, which is why I'm so appreciative for the way this episode started. But I do candy cry, just so you know. I I don't often cry unless I'm like hormonal PMS when I am sad. I internalize that. What I do express through tears is anger, which is why I feel a little bit like I could cry right now. And it's not coming from sadness. It's coming from frustration. But 
I talked with Crystal for an article I'm very proud of that went up on the Daily Beast on Wednesday, and it featured a new conversation with Crystal, not not based on our conversation that I had with her last year about um, our shared experience of dealing with uh, struggling with eating disorders, but a new conversation with Crystal and also someone who I would love for the production of Beverly Hills to call Dr. Samantha DeCaro at the Renfrew Center, which is actually also where Jackie uh, was assessed on last season of New Jersey. Just really talking, to be perfectly honest, and this is before the most recent episode aired and what a doozy that was, um, about the very, very problematic edit that is currently taking place of the entertainment value around a pretty broad misunderstanding of eating disorders that we're seeing exemplified by the cast and produced by the powers that be at Bravo production. I would highly encourage any of the editors in the editing suite to, over the course of a day, pick up a book, read the article with Crystal, have a basic understanding of why the narrative that they're doing is so wrong. And it's just so, there's a fly, I think it's Dorit. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to swat away, Teddy. sorry. Um, it's probably Teddy Joe. She's ready. I have a bag of carrots in my refrigerator. I'm sure she's ready to explode. Um, you know, it's just so fucked. And it's like, it's hard because I uh, am really proud of the piece that went up. If it could be 5 million words, it would have been. There's stuff that wasn't included in the final edit that I I wish was as someone who would have had it be genuinely 25,000 words if I've been given this space. Comments that were included in the episode that I wish weren't. You know, um, Garcelle saying to Crystal at the start of the holiday party, you look thin. Crystal looking uncomfortable. Garcelle chiding her to say thanks. There's like a lot there, but I feel like a for people who don't necessarily understand why so many of us are upset, it is hopefully a little bit of a guide as to why Beverly Hills is truly fucking up a very serious conversation whilst also continuing very complicated and harmful dialogues around eating disorders. We were late to recording because I needed to, for my own self-care, post a clip of the after show, which continued the cast talking about their confusion and frankly critique of how Crystal's handling her eating disorder without involving Crystal. Crystal, who's appeared in, I think, every other episode of the after show, was not included but Erica and Dorit are congratulating Erica for seeking treatment and, and uh, for going to a therapist and that she is um, the guide, really, and can help Crystal. But confusion as to why Crystal isn't seeking help and a criticism of that, a concern as to why other people with eating disorders seem to understand what to do and Crystal does not. And like a lot of crazy fucking shit and I feel like I'm now monologuing about stuff that I literally wrote about that you guys can read about online I'll include a link in the show notes but um it leaves a person feeling very uneasy for example being a content creator 
who's less concerned about being personally triggered because I meet with my psychiatrist twice a week. I've discussed with her at length, um, even this season of Beverly Hills. She just watched the clip. <laughs> she doesn't watch Outsauce. <laughs> she watched the little clip of the uh, Erica laxative comment and the joke, and she's like, what the fuck is this? My fucking, like, extremely wonderful psychiatrist is like, literally, what, what, who is this blonde woman and why is she so bad? But um, it just makes me feel so uneasy about what the show is doing, which is so dangerous especially because it's edited around the other women expressing miseducated concern about someone else's choices without them being there. And that is the entirety of the show right now. It's the drama and entertainment value of a person struggling with an eating disorder that's not actually even being led by that person's voice. It's other people deciding for themselves to criticize and normalize conversations that are inappropriate and invasive, questions that you should absolutely not ask someone that are very triggering, all around the experience of pretending to be close to this person and understanding their story and manipulating that to fit within the structure of housewives, which is exceptionally dangerous and inappropriate. And Bravo has decided not selectively, which I get into the article, the fact that there were moments where Crystal put up boundaries, which she talks about in this interview, that they didn't include in the edit, where she said, your questions are invasive. The language that you're including is invasive. I feel uncomfortable. When Erica referenced laxative, she she responded and said why that thinking was dangerous by sharing a friend the experience of being a friend of having a friend who also used laxatives as a uh, form of an eating disorder as an eating disorder which they didn't include they're only including the voices of these women who are frankly outsiders to crystal's life and her experience but they are allowing their voices to be this story while criticizing her, which is psychotic. It is incredibly dangerous and troubling and also triggering for view. I'm now doing a full monologue. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's dangerous for viewers. And it's also diametrically opposed to how the show told Jackie's story on New Jersey, which, while not perfect, seemed to be led with grace first mm -hmm. where she was given the space to share her story and if the cast responded to things that was included in the episodes but it was always driven with giving Jackie the opportunity to decide what she was sharing through her voice her interactions when she was um uh her interactions when she was assessed, conversations with her husband and her family, her confessionals, it always led with her being in the position to share and made the audience feel like they were listening to her directly. And the decision indirectly for the purposes of producing these manufactured scenes that include reveals of conversations done off camera 
to my understanding from watching the episode, that conversation between Dorit and Crystal was not filmed. They didn't flash back to it at any point. They would have, I'm sure, had they had video being used and manipulated so that these women feel in control of genuinely criticizing Crystal, even if well-intended, it's still dangerous when there's other stuff that's less complicated when it comes to a person's mental health, physical health, that they could have explored. They're, they're, they've decided to focus on this almost as a form of self-protection for their actual friends that they're filming with. That's the way, that's the takeaway that I had. It's very critical. I will admit to that. But it feels like there is a real reason why they are choosing to focus on this person who's newest to the cast, Sheree is a friend of, Crystal's newest to the cast, the least known to these women, but they are focusing on this incredibly difficult matter and in raising and revealing private information she shared with them, they're not allowing her to share it on camera. They're sharing it on her behalf, seemingly without her permission, because she has discussed having an eating disorder. They've decided that that is the blank check, that because she's discussed on social media, that that gives them the right to do what they're doing, which is very harmful. And I don't think that they know that. I genuinely don't think that they know that what they're doing is harmful, but that doesn't make it any less irresponsible that production is shooting the way that they are that the edit is being done that the way that it is and that the episodes are being promoted where you're equating this not only to entertainment but almost as a way to help someone what they're doing is very dangerous very invasive you can get into the reasons why through the expert that I spoke with in that piece for the daily beast but like and again, continuing to acknowledge that this is just a 75-minute-long monologue, I think it's important to hear from someone who's a content creator who's discussed having an eating disorder, is in treatment for it. And P.S., I am being incredibly liberal in my use of treatment. Unfortunately, as Dorit and Erica have, conflating treatment with therapy and presuming and assuming that Crystal hasn't sought help in any capacity because she hasn't checked in specifically to an eating disorder facility, which is another gross generalization that compounds the danger of what they're expressing on both the episode and the after show to have apparently done some sort of major assessment of Crystal's needs, which they most obviously have not, about the very, very harmful way that Bravo is behaving, which is both irresponsible and disrespectful to Crystal. I I am like overwhelmed with anger about the way that they are treating this woman, having remembered the respect that was given to Jackie's story. Like, we can't even get into some shit with like the Jules experience and rewatching those episodes, which wouldn't necessarily pass the level of understanding that a lot of people have. But, um, you know, it's tough. If you watch the after show, Erica is anointing herself the expert on seeking treatment for eating disorders 
because she went to a fucking therapist after her husband sold $100 million. And I don't want to take away from her depression and anxiety that she felt, but it is an incredibly irresponsible edit. One that makes me feel a lot of anger about the freedom that's being afforded and given to the other cast members that's being done while taking away a sense of Crystal's humanity and decency. And I'm not going to get into my experience because as much as I love the AGs, it's truly nobody's business. I didn't sign up for um to share my experience. I, I don't have any interest in doing so. Um, but I just want to say when it comes to choosing to seek treatment, it seems like a lot of these women are <laughs> under the level of misunderstanding that going to a therapist and talking about your eating disorder is the end of this story, that that is the cure-all. And the reality is that like living with an eating disorder is for some of us so embedded in our DNA that while treatment is very important for, you know, I'm very thankful to the therapy that I've received, the care of my doctor that I've received, other doctors who are helping, medication that I've received. But I haven't spoken to my family ever, not once, about having an eating disorder, which I've had since I was eight. And I don't talk with most of my friends about it. I don't talk about having body dysmorphia with anybody in my circle. I leave it mostly to um, the medical professionals and my spirit at the end of the day because I have a lot of shame about it and people don't understand. And at the end of the day, you have to protect yourself. As Crystal says in the article, like at the end of the day, she's not going to clap back when these women say inappropriate things because she has to protect herself. Um, But I only started seeking treatment, not even about specifically an eating disorder. I, I, I actually didn't know that I had one until three or four years ago. I've lived my entire life just having a coping skill, <laughs> a coping mechanism, and knowing that maybe it was like maybe different or whatever, but I didn't have the language. And that's what a lot of people feel. And I feel such enormous anger about the idea that people with eating disorders that the burden of responsibility of just surviving the day is now exacerbated by, but why aren't you seeking help? Because it is above the pay grade of these fucking women who don't even know Crystal to understand why a situation-specific anxiety that Erica feels is equal to what Crystal is experiencing, which is what they're doing. It's just incredibly inappropriate. And the edit of the show is very dangerous and irresponsible in how they're talking about treatment, Crystal's experience, intimate details that I don't even know what Crystal shared with Dorit, but Dorit's explanation of them, all caged under the idea that they're giving her, I don't know what, that they're helping her. And this is the kind of help that's harmful. And um. I can't imagine what Crystal's experience was watching those episodes. I'm very thankful that I never watch episodes live. I'm thankful to the AGs who had read the piece when I posted about it on social media or knew about my story. And I got a bunch of messages from people being like, just beware, you know, halfway through the FXYZ. But um, I'm just very ashamed of 
uh, being known as someone who loves Bravo, watching the way that they've used their platform um, and their absolute disinterest in responding to very valid critique. Mm. Um, it's very upsetting to me. And um, and that is my 75-minute <laughs> monologue that I didn't want to get into. I actually thought when we started recording, I was like, oh, maybe we just won't talk about it. <laughs> that would be great. Um, you know, uh, but I do have a platform. And if Bravo continues to pretend that posting very important information at the end of the episodes gives them, again, yet another blank check to do what they're doing... Um, I just wish that the people at Bravo would maybe click some of those links, maybe call the number that's provided at the end of the episode, and maybe educate themselves about why this situation is different and why their continued lack of nuance or understanding that they seem to have, because they used it on New Jersey, uh, how harmful that can be to people. And that's how i feel a little bit so much to unpack there um let me say this both episodes that you're referring to the, the last week's episode and then this week's episode made me feel uncomfortable um and you're right i thought about it earlier uh, the way that Jackie's story was told was completely different because Jackie was the narrator in Jersey. And the women reacted around it a little bit, you know, just in checking in on her and whatnot. But you didn't hear much dialogue about it, especially in the way of inappropriate dialogue. You know, um, Erica and the laxatives, I, and she just explained that away as if it were like the most normal thing ever. Um, you know, it, e even the way that <laughs> Eric kind of jokes about the pills and potions that she takes and mixing them with alcohol as if it were, you know, just a casual thing to do, you know? Um, I'm not here to judge anybody that does that. But what I am saying is that she's made this into a story for herself, right? This Oh, the Lexapro, the alcohol, this med, that med. Yeah, I'm still going to do it, no matter what the label says, you know? So there's that. So the recklessness in her speech is not surprising to me, but it's also not surprising to me that they have decided to hone in on this on Crystal. Because I think two things are happening. One, I think that there's a trope within the overall production of Beverly Hills, wherein the ladies, the core group of ladies, uh, we know who they are, have decided amongst themselves that their issues and their, their whatever they have going on will be protected. And the best way to do that is to highlight other the other women's issues, the other things that are going on. For instance, the only reason that PK's DUI, alleged DUI, I should say, Per, per the episode last night. <laughs> the okay. way that she fucking phrased that. <laughs> Alleged. <laughs> I was like, oh, sweetie. Okay. Um, All right. I'm into that. I'm into okay. that weird fucking moment. Right. Okay. I was like, what? The only reason that was actually aired. Literally, I'm sorry, that fly. There is a fly coming at me. It's Dorit. I told you it was Dorit. She heard no, it's Teddy swooping in to protect them. It is. It is, te it is Teddy. The Fox Teddy, Force Teddy 5 is, like, is I have a podcast at now. it again. Yeah. 
No, I just think that even with that scenario, I mean, we we see that in the fact that the only reason that that story was talked about was because it made the news. Mm. There was no way to avoid it at that point. But that story had happened, that incident had happened three weeks ago. You mean to tell me mm-hmm. no, nobody knew in production? Nobody knew? Mm-hmm. She wasn't going to tell anybody? You know what I'm saying? So that would have gone completely unnoticed. You know, Garcelle asked about it, but even when she asked about it, it wasn't in like a, oh, scandalous, let me bring this out kind of way. So I mm-hmm. feel like that's the pattern on the show is we'll highlight everyone else's issues. And then I think there's also this other thing where because they didn't show Crystal's response to Erica, as you mentioned, because I would have never known that, it gives me this sense that they are... I always hear sometimes with production that they have already chosen what persona to give you. And sometimes that's a a, a mental like, oh, this is this is her persona. That's how we're going to keep her in this in this box. And it almost feels like they put Crystal in this box of being voiceless on this show. Because Otherwise, we would have seen the complete interaction. Nothing would have been cut off. So that's the only explanation that I can have as as I've watched her throughout this season is she's truly without a voice on this show. And when she does vocalize what she's saying, she's oftentimes shut down. There was the whole dark 30 that we won't talk about, but I, I think that that was... To be honest with you, upon reflection, I think that she was, she made a statement and then thought to herself, I'm not going to do this to Sutton. Mm. Even though if someone else doesn't think it was dark, it felt dark to me, mm-hmm. which is valid, mm-hmm. right? It's valid. Mm-hmm. So beyond that, I'm not even going to mention it. I should have never mentioned it, but. Mm-hmm looking at all of the other evidence i just kind of feel like they are kind of remove removing her voice on the show mm-hmm. so this to me is not surprising that she's been really kind of left out of the narrative and then last night's episode just blew my mind because what dorit said was just like this isn't something that you reveal this is something that if crystal wants to talk about it i mean and i just feel like that's just I understand we're on a reality show and you and you need to bring up something, but not that. You can say, you could even say, hey guys, have you heard from Crystal? To me, you know, I'm I'm a little bit concerned about her, whatever. But when you start going into the specifics of things that weren't said on camera, we never saw that. I never saw Crystal, and you know, I'm taking notes. I'm taking, I am <laughs> I, I I am right. I am pausing every I am. My, you know what I, I wish I had done? I wish I had saved all of my notes from the shows that I have watched and combined them into books. Because they would, oh God, listen, please. that would be amazing. But Andy Cohen books, if you're listening. I erased them all. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I could go back and get that audio transcribed. But anyway, my, my point is, is that what, what Dorit described about what she, what Crystal had told her about her experience um, I just didn't feel like needed to be said on camera. I would never do that. 
uh, I'm filming a reality show and you tell me that I'm not, I'm not mentioning that. I don't, if I'm not your friend, if, if I'm just your acquaintance and you tell me that I'm not sharing it, I don't care. Like I, th there's gotta be a, a space where <clears throat> something remains safe. She wouldn't have shared that about Kyle. She wouldn't have shared it about Kyle. Also, it then became like this competition of who's in the eyes of these women who truly have no idea what they're talking about. Because just because just because I have an experience with having an eating disorder does not, by the way, give me any right to criticize crystals. It doesn't, more importantly to the specifics of this season, give me the right to assume I am an expert. And the way that fucking Lisa Rinna is talking about her child's experience as the model of best practices to do when Lisa Rinna is not an expert, which is something, by the way, that Garcelle and um, uh, Sutton both discussed on the after show, which is like they didn't want to talk about it because Crystal wasn't there. But the other women just continue this fucking shit show of like, because Kyle has talked about her experiences, that gives them carte blanche. Is that the right? Yep. Use of the Whatever. Words are hard. Clumsy. I'm clumsy. Um, to <laughs> discuss this. clumsy with her words. She's, she, I'm, she is clumsy with AGs <laughs> are not surprised. Um, but it, it gives them kind of carte blanche to say these things in a way that is criticizing Crystal's experience because, as Dorit said, which I thought was fucking mind-blowing, like, talk about writing your, giving yourself permission to say a lot of dumb shit. Dorit says on the after show, well, Crystal's talked about having her eating disorder, so I don't think she would mind if I, because she shared this with all of us. And it's like, ma'am, I don't remember Crystal using the language that she used, discussing the specifics that you said she said to her because she discussed having an eating disorder um, on BH or body dysmorphia on BH and shared an Instagram post. Like, that's not it's, the same thing. It's, it's not in my so, notes. It's not in my notes, ma'am. It's not in my notes. And yet we're pretending that this is really also an episode focused on liability. Like, I'm just thinking about the liability of being a Bravo viewer watching this process. As Erica said, she expressed concern about how Crystal is normalizing what is to Erica troubling behavior and not seeking treatment. Those are Erica's words. Her concern about the normalizing of Crystal's behavior. Erica is saying that. The person who made a joke about a chicken tender and also asked incredibly inappropriate um, uh, questions as Kyle did to Crystal about her experience. You should not be discussing the symptoms of someone's eating disorder using language that's incredibly inflammatory and triggering like using phrases did you throw up to talk about that as someone who is not a professional these women are very focused on their concern for why they believe crystal hasn't pursued treatment while also using language that any licensed professional would say is incredibly inappropriate. So watching Erica anoint herself an expert on seeking treatment, I, I mean, listen, therapy is incredibly important. Seeking treatment 
for many people can be very helpful, but I'm not going to dictate to Crystal the ways that she needs to treat herself for her eating disorder. I am going to be here as a person to listen. None of these women are listening. Like none of them are listening. And the show is in many ways about asking inappropriate questions, giving your, speaking aloud the things that you would keep your, you know, keep holding, that you would hold close to yourself. But when it crosses the line, when it deals with someone's like literal health, about a mental health condition in the way that they're doing, where they're not leading with Crystal's voice, they're leading with their critique. When it comes to normalization, I agree with Erica, there's a troubling normalization taking place, but it's not about Crystal. It's, or Crystal's actions on camera. It's about how these women are treating her and how they have decided to share her story. It's incredibly dangerous. It's very strange. And I love that Sutton said, how do you know she's not seeking treatment? And then why are we talking about this since she's not here? I mean, again, it's incredibly irresponsible to treat these women as experts, which is what the edit is making you think. It's very irresponsible. I mean, it's incredibly (laughs) irresponsible. I have no, I was last night trying to understand what was taking place just based on the responses. And then I watched the episode and there was a part of me that felt nothing. I was relieved. I was able to like force myself to feel so dead inside to just survive it. And then I watched the after show and I was like, they're fucking doubling down on this. They literally had an episode of the after show normalizing specifically Erica and Dorit's conversations about this without including Crystal's perspective. It makes me feel like they did that because they wouldn't want to hear Crystal's response. And by they, I mean production. They did that because I think that had they asked Crystal about her experience watching what was shown on the episode, she wouldn't exactly be complimentary. So instead, they're going to double down on this shit. This is not normal. They're treating these conversations as some sort of responsible edit while being incredibly judicious and selective and not allowing Crystal to participate, including when she was present for stuff. They just didn't include it. It's so irresponsible. I don't want to talk about this. To people who don't understand it, I would encourage you to, to read the article and find appropriate resources to learn more. I, I hate that we're spending an entirely episode on a very sad topic, but we're content creators responding to content. I mean, how could we not give this the respect it deserves when Bravo isn't? It's so irresponsible. It makes me nervous for the reunion because they're not going to allow her to say the stuff that she may or may not be thinking. I don't want to speak on her behalf, but like if I was Crystal, I would have a lot of fucking feedback about how this was included. And for Dorit to double down on the after show and be like, I'm, she has, I have her soft permission to share this stuff. It's fine. Don't worry about it. What? What? (laughs) Very bad. 
very bad. <laughs> I'll be interested to see how the reunion is handled in general, because, you know, even as I kind of watched, I didn't see all of watch what happens live because I, I told you I tapped oh, I out of uh, yeah, I wanted, everything I after wanted. Beverly Hills. Um, mm. I did catch a few clips and, you know, I, I was, I know that that was Lisa Rinna's first time on there in a long time. And she's caused quite a few firestorms on social media over the past couple of months. And, you know, I felt like Andy kind of glossed over, you know, her behavior, um, mm -hmm. basically just based calling her a double disaster. I mean, that was kind of, to me, it was lightweight because she just said, yeah, I am. I'm so sorry. I'm, it's just, yeah, I know I've been, you know, but without really fully holding her accountable for like all of the heinous things that she has said. So to me, when I think about their reunion, I just don't have the faith or the confidence that this issue will be highlighted and discussed in the way that it should be. And I feel like any confrontations surrounding it will be very mild, very meek, and not very... Um, it, it'll be generalized in my, in my opinion, that's, that's how I see it happening and playing out because I just don't see them letting Crystal have that, have that moment to really truly speak how she feels and show it. Yeah. I think if we were looking for that on the reunion, we could have been like, well, the after show is for YouTube. So it's not when it comes to like the structure of a, primetime reality show at least at like bare minimum even though they should be including her counters and episodes if they didn't fucking think of that and somebody lost the like cd-rom drive to these episodes and couldn't edit them at least provide some sort of space for her somewhere and it's like no they're doubling down on the after show so why would we think the reunion would be any different I mean she's not gonna it, I, I and again not to speak for her I don't know how she feels about this but like I mean they're not gonna be cool with her sitting on a couch being like xyz they don't they need to look like they're the responsible party in this that's the whole fucked up thing it's like it's just gonna continue to normalize this they've really dug themselves quite what, what better way there. to do it than to gloss over it we saw that happen with the New York reunion. That never happened. <laughs> <laughs> we all felt that punchline. For a second, I was like, oh, did it? Oh, no, wait, I get it. It's because they didn't have one. I mean, and for Rina, it's a smart strategy. And her just being like, oh, I'm just a piece of shit. Like, don't worry about specifically what I said. It, what's the point of a follow-up if I'm seemingly taking responsibility? I'm just a mess. And I um dealing with some emotional it wasn't even that though last night it was just <laughs> yeah i'm a mess sips cocktails sips renna rosé you know it was just it was just that and what had she said at one point on stories she was like you're essentially if you at home are criticizing my oh gosh she said a lot i mean she she called the viewers hoes she said that if you are, if we're how, it's funny how if we argue with Garcelle, we're considered racist. I mm -hmm. don't care. I'm going to speak my truth and I don't care what any of you hosts think. I think she also called the um, people 
uh, I hate to say this word on your podcast, but the the P-U-S-S-Y word, she referred to the fans as that. She's, I mean, she went off. She, 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 she literally had a meltdown. Then she came back and said, oh, there was this emotional post about, oh my God, you know, there's, I've, I've faced so much loss, but you know, there, I do believe that there is some amount of, I can't, I can't speak to her grief, but what I can speak to her is her, is her actions. And they just mm. seem not in line with, you know, what a network group want. Um, that to me is a liability. So when Erica is, is referring to Sutton as being a liability, it's so funny because her and her Thelma and Louise partner, they are indeed liabilities. And the reason why they're still there is because of the entertainment value of it all, allegedly. I mean, the way that Erica and Rena were like encouraging each other to fuck with Sutton at the little Rena Rose shenanigan, the the look of joy and glee in their eyes during that scene was fucking, it was like they were playing volleyball with each other. Like if you look at the joy that they felt, truly their eyes were like lit up a glow. Yeah, they were very bright. Very, very bright. It was odd to me because I look at Sudden in one of two ways. And I, I said this in my review of the episode as there was always like, I think in high school, in any school in America, you, just anywhere in America, the popular kids, you know, mm. and there's always someone who is very desperate to get in with the popular kids and the popular mm. kids will let them in. But it's usually to that person's detriment because they will torture that person for their own amusement, right? To me, Sutton gives me that vibe. Like she's so like into trying to be into that group. Um, and she genuinely feels like these people are her friends and they just, tr they mistreat her every, there hasn't been one episode where it hasn't been about one of them berating Sutton. Not one single episode this season, not one, not one. Every group scene, it's unless she was sick, it's been about her. And so I look at her like that. And then there's a part of me that looks at her like there is something about her that maybe is so bothersome to these ladies because Sutton can take a licking and keep right on ticking. Like it doesn't do her damage. Renna is telling her, get the F out of my home. Sutton sits there like, I'm sorry, I humiliated you. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's kind of, it, when you think about it, it's it's kind of ballsy that she continues to show up and just irritate these ladies. Like, because she takes it in such stride. It's, it's an anomaly to me. And they're also now saying, they're like, so it's when they're speaking to Garcelle, when Erica's speaking to Garcelle, Erica's directly addressing the audience. She's a liability. Stop liking her. Literally. Do not like her any longer. You should be liking the rest of us. She is bad news audience. I know I'm talking to Garcelle, but I'm really talking to y'all. Stop liking her. She's not good. We have decided she is bad. And it's Erica saying that. But if she wasn't there, they would have nothing to do. Renna would surely have nothing to do. Because why are we still talking about this Elton John situation? Four months later, who 
cares? Erica Girardi is in the cast. She's wearing the earrings that she is continuing to refuse to hand over to like the law. And we're pretending it's not happening. That Sutton is the problem. Like the irony here, nobody I it's it's actually wild. It's wild. And I and I gotta say this. I don't know if I said this last time. Do it. But if if I did, if I did, it bears repeating. Fab. You know, I have the biggest issue with Kyle. And the reason I do is because when you think about the face of a show, that person has typically been able to stand alone in any situation because they are strong in their convictions. They bow to absolutely no one. They don't really need an entourage. If they get one, they'll use them. But if not, they're fine without them. And to me, I feel like Kyle is vying for the acceptance of the the Erica-Lisa duo. And in doing so, she is, I think, limiting her own greatness as a housewife by not standing up and saying what is really right in this situation and what's wrong in this situation. And for instance, the cursing out of Garcelle's son, oh my God, it's just Erica letting her hair down. I mean, I mean, doesn't she deserve to have a little fun and mix a little Lexapro with a little bit of tequila again and again? Doesn't she deserve that? Hasn't she gone through enough? So it's like this, this desire to not get on Erica's bad side that I feel like uh, it, it, it keeps Kyle from being the, the, the face of the franchise. She, yeah, she's been on there the longest, but you just think of you think of Beverly Hills and you either think of LVP or Rena for better or for worse. Do you think that Kyle has the capacity to do that? It's very interesting. I think that Kyle has a little bit of PTSD with wanting to be liked by the audience um, because I think she still suffers from outing Kim as an alcoholic in mm. the season premiere uh, season. Well, the, the premiere season, I should say. Fin- yeah, premiere The finale. Yeah, yeah. And I mm-hmm. think that she has suffered ever since then. I also think that when you put, when you juxtapose Kyle with Kathy and Kim and the way that Kathy kind of just jokes on her, hides her purse and that sort of thing, I think there's a little bit of a um, inferiority complex there. Because Kathy has an, I mean, I don't know what's going to happen later on in the season, but Kathy has a natural ability to be entertaining. She has the personality. She has the, it's just a very different persona. Kyle, while I think is great, um, and Kyle has been moving story, but in and of herself, is she, is there a one-liner that we remember from Kyle? the actual one-liner that we do remember was said by someone else. Goodbye, Kyle. You know what I mean? So what, what, is, what is that thing that you remember most about Kyle except for you're such an effing liar, Camille, seasons ago? So when season one Kyle returns, please call me. But until then, I just find her to be a weak player who preys on weaker, who she perceives as weaker players, i.e. Sutton. 
does Sutton participate in the conversation around is she a good friend and or is she a liability to another friend? Why does she? I don't know how much she participates in the liability of it all, but like, why does she continue to engage in a conversation that's almost primarily about her proving her friendship to these women? Well, why is she participating in that? It goes back to the, to me, being accepted by this group of women. And they know that they hold the keys to her ultimate acceptance in the group. And I think that she continues to go through with these things because she wants to be accepted. And she knows she's an outlier. It's got to be tough to have to kind of battle the acceptance Olympics, knowing that the audience, the unspoken majority friend circle of hundreds of thousands, million plus, whatever people, many, many of them are on your side. And yet you have to, from a day-to-day perspective, it's like, will Lisa like me? You know, like that's the weird divide here is that like they think the cast is upset that Sutton is being accepted, you know, after the eps go up. So this is their way of fucking with her in the meantime and trying to turn the tide, change the tide, roll tide. What never ceases to amaze me is that I don't think sometimes people understand that when they're filming they can actually make someone look like a hero and they make Sutton the hero. She's the tragic hero, but mm-hmm. I mean, and it, and it is tragic because she continues to deal with this week after week, but I don't know. It's, it's, it's a very interesting thing to me because even if I were, if I were in Sutton's position, why does she care that Lisa Renna doesn't like her? Why does she care that, I mean, her and Erica have gotten to an okay place, but Erica doesn't like her. Why does she care? Yeah. After being, you know, yanked around like a rag doll, why does she care if Kyle doesn't like her or not? Yeah. And why do, it's like, why do we care what Erica is saying about you? Why don't we talk more about Erica? We've skated past. Let's focus, let's, let's focus more on liability. Her husband engaged in a massive fraud against like very very vulnerable people why is questions around erica even just benefiting from that fraud more libelous than the actual crimes that tom committed and the fact that erica was married to him for 20 years you don't have to have a conversation about what erica knew to have a conversation about why erica doesn't care about what she knows now I mean, hello, is that not like a full part to the reunion that probably won't happen? Like, but we're pretending it's this is the thing. This is why a lot of people are like, go fuck yourself to the Fox Force because of the conversation around why Sutton is bad. One of the main reasons why Erica doesn't like Sutton is because Sutton was upset when she found out about what Tom did. Erica still has not expressed upset. Erica is now just trying to subvert what Sutton feels 
which is also a representation of what many, many people feel as a bad thing. Yeah, like actually, Sutton is a liability. Sutton is a huge liability to the ways that Erica wants to win on this show. Yep. But Erica can't say that. She has to say that she's a Sutton's a liability to Garcelle, but the LOL is like Garcelle gets, Sutton gets, the other women get. They just don't want to talk about it. The fact that the li- the libelous nature of this is like Sutton talking about real stuff. Erica doesn't want to do. She doesn't want to talk about it. She wants to talk about her exploration of her sex life. It goes back to my tagline. All Erica talks about is getting the D. And I'm sick of hearing about it. I mean, the only D that I know when it comes to Beverly Hills is the grade I would assign to this season so far. And they should be so fortunate to get a D because I'm feeling a little bit of an F. Pew, 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 pew. A little bit, right? A little bit. (laughs) Listen, we didn't even talk about Atlanta. I have to tell you, I was talking to OG of the AG, Damian Bellino, last night um, uh, about the episode that I hadn't at that point watched. And and he, we were talking about the recording that would take place the next day. And I said to him, there's nobody. I was like, I'm recording with Richie Sky. There is literally nobody that I would want to talk <laughs> about. Very sensitive, frustrating, confusing stuff, because I feel like your ability to translate it when I'm not necessarily in a position to is incredibly important. And I also just love chatting with you about all of this stuff. I wish that, you know, it's like I'm so appreciative that we were able to spend the amount of time talking about some sensitive topics today. I just wish that this was, um, I don't know, I wish it had been handled differently yeah. uh, so that we didn't have to. You know what I'm saying? Like, But I'm just so appreciative at the end of the day that um, you're the one that I get to talk about this with. I just think you are really something special and I'm so thankful that you were the one that um was on the schedule today (laughs) before we watched this episode I was like well thank fucking Christ I'm talking about it with Richie because I know that he will will get it and will be able to translate it in a way that I um maybe couldn't you know like in a in a way that I think is really important so I just want to thank you so much for for coming back um, and being such an important part of AG. No, you know, I am honored to always come back and have the discussion and sort of, I mean, I think it sometimes helps just, it helps to get these things off our chest because Mm. they can be frustrating. They can be triggering, especially when you see something that's being handled in like a way, something that's being utilized for entertainment value that probably shouldn't be. um, And it's not even being told by the person that it's affecting the most. So um, I think that you're right in addressing it. I think that people need to know about it and people need to know that Crystal did have a response and it just wasn't shown. Yeah. And I just want to thank you also when I was losing my mind a little while ago for just being here to listen, because I feel like that's the ultimate lesson that a lot of people wish that Beverly Hills production and the network would understand, which is like if instead of actively removing Crystal's voice, people listen to her experience in the ways that we seem to be able to with Jackie. It is possible. It did just happen. 
Um, while these are two very different women with very different stories to tell, I think what's really important when you're talking to someone about their experience is to wait for them to share their story on their time mm -hmm. and to be really sensitive about the ways that we talk about and to each other, regardless of what you know about someone else's story. Um, it's helpful not to comment on another person's uh, body or size, um, including if it's well-intended, as Andy did on the reunion in discussing Jackie's uh, weight and his perception of that, and as Garcelle did in greeting Crystal at the holiday event. Those are two people who had really positive, well intentions, which can be harmful, even if meant with good. And um, it's just something to think about, guys. Like, tell someone they look fabulous. Tell someone you love their shoes, love their purse, God forbid, love their personality. <laughs> Like, but try to get away from um, the ways that we uh, take note of another person's body because you have no idea what that person has experienced, what they're going through, and how that can even change um, uh, their view of what they may or may not be doing. All of this stuff is very complicated. And um, since that was something that wasn't noted by the show in any way, they just put up that fucking banner at the end of the episode. For more information here's some more information for you the little tldr that bravo didn't um supply and also just one little comment that you can also read about in the daily beast article but like when you're talking to someone uh, about their experience having an eating disorder, asking for graphic and inv invasive information about their symptoms is incredibly inappropriate and can be very damaging, triggering. Um, a person can experience a lot of shame as a result, which is the connective thread for a lot of people who um, deal with uh, having eating disorders. Just be really, really mindful of language because language is very important. And when you're dealing with someone's health, and a very misunderstood topic. Um, it's incredibly, it's incredibly important to provide an environment of grace. And um, if and when someone wants to talk about specifics, they will. They will on their own time. And I'm really actually appreciative for the time that we spent today because I'm hoping that for people who understandably don't necessarily understand why people were upset specifically with the edit, maybe this provides a little bit of balance um, because, I don't know, ultimately AG is about our experience and interpretations of these shows as we watch them and and a conversation around the women's behavior and sometimes our own and I'm really really appreciative to you for coming on today and just providing an environment um, where I felt comfortable opening up so I just want to thank you so much again you are absolutely welcome anytime Richie Sky, tell the people where they can follow you on social. Watch your phenomenal YouTube channel, which you all should be subscribing to literally ASAP and so much more. Yes. So you guys can follow me at DJ Richie Sky on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. And then look for me on YouTube at DJ Richie Sky. And I also have a personal channel where I take you on some of my vlogs and uh, a press tour that mm. I just went on as well. That is Richie Sky in real life. Amazing. And guys, follow me on <laughs> social at Dame Galley um, for a lot of, lot of feedback on some of these episodes as they're coming up. 
I really um, had some thoughts, certainly, on this week, which uh, you can see more on social at Dame Galley. The AG Patreon, the number one way to support the pod. Um, if you like what I do on AG, um, if you want to support my continued content creation joining the andy scrolls patreon is the number one way to do so patreon.com slash andy scrolls two new episodes went up this past week i'm excited to do a, another satchel spectacular so please slide into my dms on instagram or email me andy's girls show at gmail.com with your thoughts and feels i love a long form um, piece of feedback on these episodes or, you know, what you're hearing on AG and so much more. So slide into my DMs or email and let me know your thoughts. Um, and I just want to close on one quick little thank you. Um, I was actually on the homepage of the New York Times this week uh, for a campaign that I participated in about the lack of transparency about billing when it comes to hospitals with patients and so much more. It's the Power to Patients campaign. And um, it was a campaign that was actually designed by Shepard Ferry, who is known to many for the Obama hope graphic that became such a big part of Obama's campaign and is a fellow uh, Rhode Islander. So kudos to him. And it was a campaign that was um, actually shot by Martin Schuller, who is in the Smithsonian and National Portrait Gallery, and he's photographed uh, Obama and Oprah and yours truly. Um, and so I posted some information about that on my social, but I would encourage you to watch the campaign video, which you can um, on my social as well for more information about that. And just want to thank the Power to the Patients um, campaign for including me in some incredibly important stories that are being told. Um, anyway, fun week for me and vulnerability. My God, <laughs> can I please tell you um on that note guys thanks for listening um i hope you're all doing okay and we will chat with you soon Bye-bye. bye bye